Welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on how Buffy has matured since its premiere in 1997. Thanks for listening! Now on to the episode! So before we get into the episode proper, astute listeners may notice that during this episode, we misrefer to the character of Jenny Callender as Jenny Carpenter from time to time. And we're really embarrassed about it. <laughs> But we want to acknowledge that right now and say the first listener who counts the number of times that we say Carpenter and lets us know either on our social media or through our email what that number is, you will get a prize. And we're leaving the prize as a surprise. (laughs) A surprise prize. Enjoy the episode. Enjoy the episode. So Stephanie, this is our first time recording since we officially launched prophecy girls uh we launched actually earlier today because we tend to record on thursdays and that's when we're going to be putting out our episodes so we are recording season one episode eight right now but as we speak other actual people not bots are downloading and listening to our intro episode and our first two recap episodes. Yeah, it's such a great feeling. It really is. And for those of you who are listening to this, our eighth episode, sometime in the future, uh, thank you so much for sticking with us. And if you haven't already, please start sending in comments and feedback because we're really excited to start including those as we get more listeners sharing their thoughts with us. Yeah, totally. <sighs> I'm not going to lie. I went and listened to our intro episode again now that it's live <laughs> on on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. I went and re-listened to our intro because I haven't heard it since uh, since I finished editing it and sent it over to you. And I love that you mentioned in that episode that as we're posting two episodes a week for season one, because season one like has growing pains... And you mentioned that so does our podcast. And, you know, it's going to take us a couple episodes to find the groove. We're now on episode eight, like you just mentioned. And I feel like we are. Oh, we totally found our groove. Yeah. Yeah, which is nice. (laughs) It's a really good feeling. Also, I saw we already had like three five-star ratings on Apple. So bring on more five stars. (laughs) All me. (laughs) How many That's sock puppet accounts do you have, Stephanie? <laughs> yeah, just keep creating new accounts, keep downloading, keep starring. That's what I do. Uh, <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yes, uh, thank you so much uh, to you, the listener. You're you're the best, and we can't wait to go on this journey with you further. But yeah, as of now, we're on episode eight of season one. I robot you, Jane. And can I just say, since last week was Angel. And I adore Angel. This was such a step down for me. <laughs> Honestly, yes. Like, what wouldn't be a step down from Angel? Well, I mean, the whole rest of the series. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I think this this episode, I did not remember it at all. So it was a clean slate for me. And it definitely was less thrilling than how I felt last week, where I was like positively giddy with teenage memories of talking about that episode. This one, I didn't have any memories. And that was a new way to to watch an episode of Buffy for me. Right. I remembered some of this episode, you know, the broad strokes again. And I liked it more than I thought I would on the rewatch. I think this episode has some really creative and interesting ideas when it comes to commentary on the internet, which, well, so the internet wasn't new in the 90s, but in the late 90s, the World Wide Web, of course, was quite new. And so this idea of technology connecting us, connecting faraway people, digitizing things like books, this was all really new stuff at the end of the 90s. And I think the episode actually does a pretty good job of asking questions about like well how would magic interact with 
the internet and stuff. So I enjoyed those aspects of the episode. Other aspects, not so much. <laughs> well, well, let's do this thing. So interesting enough, we open this episode in Cortona, <laughs> Cortona, Italy, 1418. I, I'm so sorry if I butchered that <laughs> that name, uh, but I'm not Italian. This And this whole scene, this whole beginning scene here is all in subtitles for those of us who don't speak Italian or, or only know the bad words in Italian. So there's a lot of culty stuff going on here. There's a, there's a demon and he's surrounded by these followers who are all in robes and he's asking one of them if, if that follower loves him because he can give him everything. And the guy says, you have my love. And then this, and the demon, which is like this big green horned demon, he then snaps the guy's neck. It's yeah. so, so strange. And um, like, first of all, I, it's hard for me to watch scenes where people get their necks snapped, like where people break their necks. I don't know why. Like I could watch a lot of stuff. I could, I've seen some shit, but for whatever reason, watching someone's neck snap and the way that he snaps it, he just puts his hand on his head and just like twists. He's like really good at it. You know, he's got like a finesse. And, I bet he uh, practices a lot. He probably, I mean, he's been doing it across Italy from what we can tell. Uh, so yeah, that was interesting. And then I also want to point out that I really love cults. I just think they're fascinating, like how people fall into them. So this is very culty to me. And Wait, have I joined a cult? Is this a cult now? Yeah. <laughs> are you a cult leader? I mean, it is very usual for people who are part of cults to not know they're in it. Is this why you insisted we get matching robes when we record? Yeah, yeah, this is exactly and why you have to drink certain things before we start talking. <laughs> you just said it would help put me in an altered state for the podcast, but okay. Yeah, and it worked, didn't it? <laughs> now say you love me. Plus the thing too is like, I mean, you know, by the time we get to season two, I'm going to have you, you know, burn symbols into your skin for me. Oh, God. So just wait for Too it. real. Um... <laughs> Okay, so I also want to point out, this is the demon that we see in the opening credits for this season. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so I like when we're, when we're watching the opening credits, I always like kind of like try to identify which episodes like, oh, did we see this scene before? And <laughs> That's cute. so, of course, there's this very distinctive looking green scaly demon in the credits. And I'm like, when are we getting to green scaly demon guy? Turns out it's this episode. Episode eight is when we get to see him. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. So there he is. There he is. So elsewhere, there's an Italian mob of monks. It looks like other people in robes who call this demon Moloch the Corrupter. Clearly, Moloch has, uh, he's a very effective cult leader because he's brainwashing the village and he needs to be stopped. Yeah, so what you have here, Steph, is a classic case of 15th century Italian gang turf war. Really, you've just got competing groups wearing robes. And, you know, the monks wear robes and the cult wears robes. And they're both basically just trying to compete to see who has the best robes. And then that's how they gain new followers. And whoever mm -hmm. has the most followers is in charge of the village. I love that. I wish society were like that now. <laughs> um, I agree with you. That's totally what's happening here. And... It's clear which one is winning. It's it's Moloch, the Corruptor's cult that's winning. And this one, this other cult is very jealous. So they create a binding spell using the power of the Circle of Kalis. And Moloch, the Corruptor, gets sucked into this giant book that these monks have. And we know this because the pages of the book, which were originally blank, kind of like a diary, suddenly get filled up with this written script. So... The monks are really happy about this, and the book has a very convenient picture of the demon on the cover, uh, which is really nice. I don't know if that happened after he got sucked in, and then it creates a title page for you. That's like a really <laughs> handy app. That This 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 charm Good is a question. very handy app. Or did someone spend all night doing it? You know, did one of the monks have to, you know, create the book cover before? Who knows? But what they're saying is that they hope that the accursed book is never again read. And then they place the book inside a crate and close it. Okay, question. Yeah. Why not just burn the book? These are questions that I can't answer. <laughs> <laughs> 
They're going to put the demon inside a book. They're going to put the book inside the crate. They're going to put the crate somewhere else and then never think about it again. But you're right. They didn't go that extra step and just burn the book or let it drown or like put it in like bottom of the ocean. There's a lot of stuff that you could do, but they didn't take that extra step. So that's why cut to the present day. Buffy's opening the crate because somehow it made it all the way to Sunnydale into Giles's <laughs> permanent collection. And we are in the library and Giles and a group of students who aren't just Buffy, Willow, and Xander are in the library and they're scanning old books onto computers. And this is when we meet Miss Jenny Carpenter, who Giles appears to hate. And she is the computer teacher at the school. And she's also... I love this. Yeah, she's also super hot. I'm just going to say. I had forgotten that we meet Miss Carpenter this early on in the series. I as well. Miss Carpenter is one of my favorite Buffy characters. That's awesome. And I love that the computer teacher is a woman. Yeah, I love that too. And, And a beautiful woman who's capable and funny and very smart. And this, I don't know why Giles appears to loathe her other than the fact that he just hates everything to do with computers. And she's basically explaining to Giles what scanning is and Giles is very overwhelmed and he looks really disheveled and just hates probably also hates that everybody's in his library which is usually just empty Uh, and he refers to computers as idiot boxes that's when we hear a line from a student named Fitz Fritz (laughs) named Fritz of course the name is Fritz and he says the only reality is virtual if you're not jacked in you're not alive (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is such a late 90s way of talking about technology, right? Like Jacked in. Cyberspace and, yeah, <laughs> jacking in modems. Like, oh, Fritz. And oh, we've Fritz. all met a guy like this, too, who's, like, too intense. Like, <laughs> thinks that anybody else who doesn't know what, what he's talking about is a huge idiot. Like, typical. Willow is there, and she's going to stay behind and continue scanning books. And she does ask Xander to join her, which he refuses, and leaves to go chase after Buffy. So Giles says that he's going to go back into the Middle Ages, and he means the section of the library. And Miss Carpenter says, oh, did you ever leave? And I was like, (laughs) zing. So much shade. Yeah. (laughs) You, I do also need you to tell me, Stephanie, at which point... This banter switches into flirting because I know it does at some point, but I can't tell when. So uh, let yeah, me know I can, when we get there. I, I will. Um, I I can almost say that anytime you see two characters banter like they are already, it could be considered flirting, especially when they're both really good looking. Okay, that's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. So I just yeah. wasn't sure if there's like a point where it crosses over. So Willow is alone i guess in the library um and scanning books and i just want to point out scanners were not this good in 1997 like she's like barely holding it over the book and like the light from the scanner is barely illuminating the whole page and Mm -hmm. yet you're she's getting these crystal clear perfect images and it's so fast like i remember scanners from the late 90s early 2000s and they were noisy (laughs) and they took like two minutes to scan a page They were not this convenient. Yeah, I too was like, is that legit? (laughs) Is that something technology we had back then? Uh, So it's a good thing you pointed that out. So while she's scanning Moloch's book, the markings from the book disappear and appear on the screen in the computer. Then we see a message (laughs) appear on the computer and it's a typed message and it says, where am I? (laughs) And credits roll so interesting that the demon now released into the computer automatically knows english and isn't typing in like italian or something yeah unless he just downloaded all the languages so quickly during that scan that Mm -hmm. he he knows you know or maybe he can only express himself in english when he's in computer form i don't know there's a lot of questions here i think this is also a very interesting take on the whole philosophical concept of what does it mean to read a book right so like willow didn't read the book she scanned the book into the computer so technically the computer read the book so in this take on reading computers count as observers 
So it gets you thinking about like, could you like automate spell casting in the Buffy verse? Could you like write a program that casts spells for you? I don't know. It's just fascinating. Well, I I hope that's true because then we could have apps on our phone that cast very basic spells for us, you know, like help us switch yeah. our bodies with our mothers and stuff like that. <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> you just said very basic spells and that's where you went? <laughs> well, that's the only spell that we've really seen besides that like bloodstone curse vengeance spell that we, we haven't seen too much oh, of spell okay. work I yet see, i see i just thought this was something you wanted on your phone <laughs> well in the world like, of buffy there's only four spells that i know of so far yeah this is this is my simple body switching app i just press this button and i just aim my phone at somebody and we switch bodies. who wouldn't download that who wouldn't pay 5.99 download that shit Play with it all day, you know? Hey, I have an Android phone, so it's going to be free with ads. <laughs> I'll create many users to also give those that app five stars. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's the next day, and Willow is wandering through the halls in a love daze. And Buffy catches up to her, and she's like, Hey, I tried to call you all night, but the line was dead. And do you remember those days, those very frustrating days where there was a house line? And if somebody else was on the line, you'd phone in, you'd get a busy number, you couldn't leave a message or anything. It's just, it's just, eh, eh, eh. and then you hang up and then you try again half an hour later. You're like, you're shit out of luck if it's still busy. Well, and when people started getting internet connections, right? Yeah. Sometimes people would only have the one phone line. So if you wanted to use the internet, you had to, you wouldn't, people wouldn't be able to call you. So I remember like when we got internet at our house because my dad needed, pretty much constant internet access for work, we had a second phone line installed just for the internet. And that felt really like posh and swanky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that, the same thing. And then whenever you'd call in, it'd be like, like it'd make that noise. Uh, and I remember my father, he had a, a fax machine in his downstairs office. And I you could use that as a normal phone. So I used to have to like, that was my second line for me was to use uh, my dad's fax. Anyway, we're, we're aging ourselves. So Buffy is like, what's up with you? And Willow says that she met somebody. And also pause here. Did, did I see this correctly or not? When Willow opens her locker, there's a picture of Giles inside it. Oh, I didn't notice that at all. I thought I saw that because I wrote some of these notes up later after I watched the episode. And I think I saw that. I'll have to go back and look maybe right after this. I should have did it before, but you know. Anyway, if that's true, if that's if I saw what I what I saw, Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's a whole new level of boundaries that we need to talk about. <laughs> oh dear. Oh. So anyway, anyway, let's let's skate right by that. So so they're just, the girls are still talking girl talk. They're walking toward the computer lab. Buffy is pressing Willow for more information. She's like, I can't believe you kept this from me. What's he like? Did you kiss him? Like all these things. And Willow admits that she met him online and his name is Malcolm. I'm loving the girl talk as yes. always. And yes. I love Buffy's enthusiasm for Willow's happiness. Like it's just really touching. There's no real like jealousy going on. Although you can kind of tell that Buffy's interested in maybe living a little bit vicariously through willow's experience because of course she just got shut down last episode so <laughs> oh, I remember. uh this is as close as she's gonna get to some boy time for a little bit i guess yeah and it's you're right it is just really nice to see like her be psyched for her friend like oh my god like this is a huge deal and also super exciting when you're a 16 year old girl it really is like i takes me right back to when your friend gets a boyfriend you're like tell me everything you know and but that's when um, and willow is like you know he we talked all night he's smart he's romantic we agree on almost everything and um as they're walking into the computer lounge there there is a kid that's on a computer and he's staring at it and he's just like Yes, I will. I promise. So, so something ominous happening in the background. But for now, we're talking about this girl talk. And Miss Carpenter comes into the class and she tells Buffy uh, that, you know, she, you're on this class. You have to leave in a bit, like finish your conversation, but then go. And I wanted to point this out because she's one of your favorite characters. I don't remember too much about her, to be honest, especially in these first few episodes. But I really loved her style of teaching here. Like, she's not condescending. She's not like, mm -hmm. Buffy, get out of here. She's kind of just like, hey, girl, like... Yeah, you do you, but like, you know, also this is a place of learning. So, so one of the reasons chill. I like that the show brings her on 
is we've got Buffy and Willow and Cordelia. So we do have a lot of women characters in the main cast, but we have yet to see a recurring female character in a position of like authority within the school. And Ms. Carpenter is a, a nice addition to the cast because she's kind of like a role model for Buffy and Willow to look, look up to, right? Like she's a young woman, but she's a professional. Um, like you said, she has a really good rapport with her students, a good mm-hmm. teaching style. And she's a nice counterpart to somebody like Giles, who is a great character, but he's a stuffy old guy. <laughs> well, I, how old is Jenny Carpenter? Like, do we know? I would say she's in her late 20s, early 30s. She's probably around our age. That's why she's so cool. So, yeah. Yeah, like... <laughs> she, she she seems like she's pretty, you know, she's young and hip. She's with the computers and stuff. Like, she's this is probably, you know, she's within her first 10 years of teaching. And so all of this stuff is really new to her. I mean, she's a computer teacher, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, think mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. how how long we've had computer teachers in that sense in a school environment. She's really uh, one of a kind, this one. And she better be careful because we know what happens to teachers we like at the school. <laughs> So Buffy learns that, you know, this guy is online, that Willow doesn't know who he is. And she starts to warn Willow about online dating in the mid-90s because, you know, back then it was a sketchy idea and there were a lot of warnings about it. And I think a lot of people had that fear about the internet and the dangers of the internet around that time. And those things still exist, but now everybody is on the Mm -hmm. internet, right? So it's a difference. Yeah, so I don't think when I was watching this episode previously, I realized that this is like an issue episode, right? Because we were first watching this episode in the early 2000s, and now we're watching in like 2021. And of course, like you said, things have changed so much. So yeah, you have to put yourself in the shoes of a viewer watching this in 1997. The episode is almost trying to like warn people about these dangers. (laughs) Which is so, which is legit, but hilarious. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I do have a little story for you, Stephanie. Would love to hear it. You might have heard this story before at the art gallery, but um, back in high school, I had a really good online friendship with a girl named Lauren. Hi, Lauren from Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Um, we met through a website called DeviantArt, and we started chatting on AOL Instant Messenger for anybody who remembers AIM. And -hmm. we would like chat really late into the night. It was just, it was this really interesting and very intimate friendship for, you know, two high school teenage girls to have. And I remember feeling very vulnerable with her, very able to tell her anything. But it was a long time before we finally like, video chatted on Skype and actually saw each other and kind of like knew who we were. So here's the part that might sound a little bit wild. Uh, In my first year of university, I actually ended up flying to Ohio to meet her and like we hung out for two weeks. I know that was my first time leaving, like flying somewhere by myself and Mm -hmm. traveling like that. Interesting. Okay, so you completely ignored this episode. You didn't take any of the warnings that we get from here. (laughs) Exactly. So to make a new friend. So 10 years after this episode, the standards (laughs) had already changed so much that I felt comfortable doing that. Um, Yeah. And for the record, I survived. Lauren did not brutally murder me or anything. So (laughs) yet. (laughs) True. (laughs) Hey, but that's I, I like that story a lot because it's not like I mean, okay, so the whole point of this warning of online dating is in case you meet a rapist or a pedophile or somebody, you know, weird and gross. But like, you're a success story yes. there, I think. Although, and it also depends on where you're meeting them, of course, like what sites. Buffy is not really that worried about the rapist angle. Buffy is worried about what if he has a hairy back? <laughs> and Buffy's worried about way, <laughs> yeah, way more superficial things um and while she's talking to willow we see that the computer's like listening to what she's saying and there's a webcam on this computer and it kind of like focuses in on buffy and then we see somewhere else that a diff on a different computer the computer's scrolling through a student database of sunnydale high and pauses on buffy and then i paused it so i could read what buffy's profile said i knew you would and uh 
Her birthday is October 24th, 1980, and I think we should track that because there are specific times in the future, no spoilers here, but there are specific times in the future where we see Buffy's birthday specifically written out. And just remember, October 24th, 1980. So Buffy's GPA is 2.8, and I don't understand GPA. That's not a Canadian thing. So A perfect GPA is 4.0, so... That's an okay GPA. It's not great. She's got to raise that if she wants to get into a good college, but okay, it's okay. It, well, it also said that she has one absence, uh, which I find unrealistic. <laughs> and then she has no athletics, which is funny. This inf- information ends up on Fitz's computer. Fritz's computer. Fitz? Fritz. Fritz. Fritz's computer with the message, watch her. So basically, when Buffy's saying, like, you don't know what he looks like, he could look like anything... Willow, you know, she she does say that that stuff doesn't really matter when you really care about someone. And I think that Buffy is just being a really good friend here. She's got stranger danger, which is which is great. It's a great thing to have. So I think it's just like we're just setting it up right now. They had a really great girl talk, but Buffy's expressing a little bit of concern right away about the situation. I agree. And uh, at the same time, Miss Carpenter is talking to Fritz and she's basically saying that him and some other kid named Dave are logging in a lot of computer time. And he says he's working on a new project. And she's like, oh, will I be excited? And he says, you'll die. Dum, dum, dum. Outside in the quad, there is a student. And he has the funniest looking laptop on his... <laughs> it looks so funny. Like, I mean, I didn't even know there were laptops back then. So I'm impressed that he has one. Uh, but he's basically complaining that someone rewrote his essay to have pro-Nazi propaganda in it. <laughs> so Moloch is really busy. He learned about all the history between 1418 and, and 1997 and started incorporating the worst parts into students' information. <laughs> he's a monster. Well, so- also, when you when you think about like the grand scheme of things, right? Like... Does altering one student's paper at Sunnydale High to have a pro-Nazi viewpoint, is that really doing, like, what you want, Moloch? Is that the best evil you can get for your buck here? I feel like you can go bigger. As soon as he gets his body back, he's going to start going into people's houses and hiding the remotes. (laughs) Oh my god. What a monster. Taking the batteries out of their clocks, like doing doing rude ass shit like that, you know? Like, he's a monster, this guy. He is king of inconvenience. So, Xander is on the quad and he approaches Willow. And he's like, are we going to the bronze tonight? And she awesomely blows him off. And she's like, I'm going to stay in and talk to Malcolm. And uh, I love that she's ditching him because up until now, she would have jumped at the chance to go to the bronze on a Wednesday night (laughs) with Xander, right? So that he could, you know, ogle other girls, right? Like they weren't even going together as an item. They were just going together. And then Xander was like, you know, trying to put his moves on women who were not interested. (laughs) Yeah, get rejected over and over again. Yeah. So she's like, no, I'm not going to go to the bronze, watch you get rejected, have a buttery scone, and then go home. That's not my night. I'm going to stay in and hang out with Malcolm. So she leaves, and Buffy comes up, and she's like, oh, Willow's so happy. And Xander obviously can't have this, and he says he doesn't like it. He says everybody's deserting him, and everything's about Xander, and poor Xander. I know, right? He's jealous? Stop making it about you, Xander. You've had two episodes to yourself this season, okay? Two awful Um, episodes. Let Willow have an awful (sighs) episode. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Buffy's critique of how he's jealous because it's not about him Mm -hmm. is totally on point here. Good Mm -hmm. job, Buffy. Like, absolutely, you should be concerned. But let's be real. Xander's concern for Willow is not genuine so much as it is he's jealous. Yes, he's jealous. And he not so much that Willow is into somebody else, but that Willow's no longer into him. You know, because remember before I've stated in other episodes, is Xander aware that Willow likes him? So this conversation actually indicates that he is aware and that he likes no. it. No, I don't know if he's aware. Let, you're giving Xander too much credit for self-awareness here, Steph. <laughs> um, I think what Buffy's getting at is he's used to having Willow as his sidekick, right? She's mm. his she's his girl Friday, and 
she's his wing person. So it's not that he is aware that she's got a crush on him. It's just, it's always been the Xander and Willow show. And now that it's just the Xander and maybe Buffy show, he doesn't know how to deal with that, especially considering, right, his attraction to Buffy. You know, it's interesting that you said that too. And I agree with you. Maybe you're right. He may be unaware still of Willow's feelings, but for sure he's used to her infatuation with him as a friend at least but the it's the fact that you bring up the xander and buffy show this episode is the first time that i've ever really seen buffy and xander's friendship i see them being a lot more chummy in this episode than i've ever seen them before Mm -hmm. possibly because he's just not being a super fucking creep to her the whole episode so i actually see them having more of a rapport more of a buddy buddy kind of situation which is which is actually quite nice to see yeah good observation I also, again, want to bring up that this episode, for whatever reason, they just laid on this 90s slang very quickly. We have, like, jacked in, which I don't think... (laughs) Actually, I don't even know if that's 90s. That's just a weird thing to say. And then we have wiggy and wig, like, oh, I'm wigged out. That's a very 90s thing. And then um, Buffy even says earlier, oh, we're talking about Willow's thang. Like, you know, she's got a boyfriend as a thang. (laughs) It's a very (laughs) 90s thing to say. So... We're cutting to the computer lab <laughs> where Fritz is cutting himself. He's cutting a giant M into a skin and just saying, jacked in, jacked in, jacked in. <laughs> totally so, normal teenage boy behavior. Yeah. And that's exactly, I mean, if he was in my cult, this is like the shit I'd have him doing, you know? So we cut to the locker room the next day and Willow comes in late and she says that she overslept and Buffy knows that it's because she was talking to Malcolm. And once again, like we said earlier, Buffy's being a really good friend here. And I think she's approaching the situation at this point in a really realistic way. I, I don't think I would be any different in trying to express concern to my friend who I care about, but you also don't want to come off as being judgmental. It's a very interesting balancing act between your tone and how you present that to your friend who's actually really into this person. And you don't want to burst their bubble, but you also want to express some caution. And I think Buffy's doing that in the best way that she can. I agree. So she's just like, you know, Willow, this isn't really like you. You're late for class. You're um, ditching Xander. This is not your normal behavior. And Willow gets defensive and she's like, oh, is it not like me to have a boyfriend? Is that what you mean? Boys don't chase me around and I thought you'd be happy for me. And this also tracks for Willow's character from what we've seen up until this episode too, because Willow has been obsessed with Xander and really into Buffy's love life. And you can just tell that she, like someone showing interest in her and she finally gets her own little love story, it would be a huge deal to her. So she doesn't want to let that go with Buffy's negativity. So Buffy suggests, why don't you meet him face to face in the daylight in a crowded place? Uh, You know, just get to know him before you start obsessing about him, right? And that's a really fair point. Willow says, you know, if if we really care about each other, it's not a really big deal if I blow off classes. So we know that Willow's lying now. Willow said that she slept in, but really she chose to skip the classes. So she's like, Malcolm says, you wouldn't understand. And Buffy's like, well, Malcolm's right. Uh, anyone out there, just beware if you meet someone new and they start turning you against your loved ones. <laughs> it's not a good sign. So Buffy approaches this Dave character in the computer lounge and he is really consumed with his screen. And she asks him if she can trace an email. She's asking him computer advice. And he does say that you can pull up a profile based on a user's name. But anyone can be anyone on the internet. There's lots of trolls out there. There's lots of catfishes. Actually, Uh, it's Buffy who points that out. And then she says, when Dave confirms that she's right, she says, cool, I have knowledge. (laughs) I like that. Wow. (laughs) I'm jacked in. (laughs) And yeah, you're right, though. Yeah, Buffy was the one that figured all that out for herself. And um, she starts to explain the situation, like why she's asking, like, Willow met this guy named Malcolm, blah, blah, blah. And Dave gets really antsy and he's like, leave Willow alone. Red flag. Well, right away. And Buffy's like, why? Are you Malcolm? <laughs> Which is such a great question. It's so, so something anyone would do, right? I was like, oh, you're so defensive. Is it you? Are you the one that's catfishing, my friend? And um, he gets visibly upset. 
And he's like, just go. I got work to do. Like, get out of here. So Buffy's like, so do I. And leaves. And that's how you know she's got some slaying things to do now. And uh, <laughs> some slaying investigation. And Fritz overheard this whole conversation and looks super constipated about it. So Buffy goes to the, the library to talk to Giles, as she is, you know, want to do. And she's talking about Willow's behavior as well as Dave and these other computer people. It's very similar to the pack um, episode six, where she's expressing her concerns about a friend whose behavior patterns have changed a very tall tale sign at this point of living on the hellmouth. When there's like a sudden change in a personality, you, they might be possessed or something. Right. And Mm, uh, again, Giles kind of blows it off and he's like, aren't those people always kind of weird? (laughs) Like they're, they're they're not sparkling normal or whatever. He Giles says. and the stereotypes. <laughs> Giles, you're such a hater. Uh, <laughs> but he does admit he's like, I don't really know how to advise you on this because like computers fill him with a childlike terror. So if Willow's talking to someone online, he's like, I don't know what to do about this. This is you out of my are league. on your own, Buffy. <laughs> He's like, Buffy, this is out of my pay grade, all right? I'm not even paid for being a watcher, all right? I'm here because I have to be. So he suggests that she follows Dave if she's that curious. And Buffy makes a joke that, you know, oh, yeah, I'll follow him. I'll wear classic spy gear, like a trench coat and sunglasses. And then the next scene, she is wearing those things. And the trench coat is made of velvet from what it looks like. And she has bright pink sunglasses on. And she watches Dave get into a car. And then Dave drives to a facility that's called CRD, and he's talking to a bunch of men in lab clo- in lab coats. And Buffy is standing outside the fa- the the factory or whatever it is, and watching. And I have to ask, how did she follow him in his vehicle? <laughs> yeah, that's drive. a good question. Also, I just love the outfit, right? Like her <laughs> investigation outfit is so like. wow (laughs) yeah so there's a like she looks great the question is just how did she get there bus maybe she ran she she ran after him and uh while she's standing outside the gates a security camera is focusing in on her turns out fritz who's back at the school is watching her on the security camera and malik in the computer (laughs) tells him kill her and um so back in the library, it's actually Xander who confirms that CRD stands for Calix Research and Development, and it's a computer research lab. And, oh my god, Xander is providing very useful information to the group for once. Very strange. Mm-hmm. And Xander admits that his uncle used to work there as a janitor. This is an interesting thing that I paused at, too, because now we kind of, we, we don't know too much about Xander's home life. We, we know mm-hmm. about Buffy's. We learn a bit about Willow's in this episode but we don't know anything about xander's family so just the fact that his uncle was a janitor at this giant uh company well we can maybe assume that that his family is more of the working class yes exactly he's coming Mm -hmm. from a slightly different background it seems like you know buffy's mom is a curator so she has some kind of degree willow's parents we don't know what they do but she's got an internet connection to her house so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they must be making a fair amount of money for 1997 so we're getting this sense that xander's from a slightly different background than his friends and maybe that explains why he kind of has a chip on his shoulder sometime possibly yeah well i mean this is and we don't even dive into it this is just one random comment that he made that made me stop and be like hey that's a little window into that life right exactly it's really well done yeah character development and so Buffy um, said that the building, which is supposed to be abandoned, looked pretty busy to her. So her and Xander are going to break in that night. And as Giles is telling them not to, Miss <laughs> Calendar enters the library and she's there to check on the database that she set up for him. And uh, they start bickering back and forth again. And I think this is where you can start indicating like, you know, I think they doth bicker too much you know like this might be where you're kind of like all right like not only is it interesting that they they have a clear outside loathing for each other which in any television show trope you know that that's setting them up to have sex because (laughs) that's just how i don't think okay let's not go that far steph i don't think i could handle the idea of two of my (laughs) teachers having sex (laughs) well i'm sorry but the bickering doesn't lie so Cut to the computer lab, and the computer 
is literally speaking out loud to Willow now. <laughs> like, I don't know how this happened. Willow's IMing Moloch. And uh, she's also reading her messages out loud. So they're having a real conversation through the screen. And they're saying, like, oh, I've never felt this way about anyone. And Willow's like, uh, you know me better than anyone else. When can we meet? And Willow also mm-hmm. says that she's telling him about Buffy and how Buffy doesn't understand their situation. This also just shows Willow thinks so highly of Buffy. She wants Buffy to be into this too. She wants to experience this with Buffy, who is her best friend. And uh, Mm -hmm. the fact that Buffy doesn't, I think, obviously hurts Willow really deeply. And Malcolm says Buffy is just trouble and she got kicked out of her old school. And Willow starts to clue in now because we know Willow is a smart motherfucker. And she's like, hey... How did you know that? And he said, oh, it's on her permanent record. You must have mentioned it before. And Willow knows she didn't. So Willow is wigged out. She <laughs> says, she's like, I'm signing off. So Miss Carpenter is in the library with Giles and she's calling him a snob. And she says, you think that knowledge should be kept in these carefully guarded repositories where only a handful of white guys can get at it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I love that she said that. That's so progressive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and again, it goes back to what I said at the beginning of the episode, right? This episode is touching on some fairly interesting ideas for 1997, this tension between old and new technology. And there was a promise at the time that the World Wide Web would open up and free knowledge and information and in some ways that promise came true with things like wikipedia and the internet archive and of course in other ways it hasn't come true like the great firewall of china so it's interesting looking at this episode 25 years later and being like wow like this is the optimism of that age so, so basically what Ms. Carpenter is saying is like the internet allows for this new type of society, which is exactly what you just said. And that's what Giles says he doesn't like. He's like this, this obsession with current technology is going to make human interaction obsolete and people can be so easily manipulated by technology. And I was like, damn, which Giles, is true. you're so right. <laughs> that totally happened. You're both bringing up great points here, right? This very real fear of technology in the 90s, like you said, it it all more or less came true and has played out in different ways. But I would say the majority of society has embraced technology and I spend majority of my day on electronics. <laughs> yes, well, especially during a pandemic, right? But yeah. even beyond that, you know, think about a documentary like The Social Dilemma, which talks about the ways in which social media platforms fight for our engagement. Mm -hmm. And like when you're on Instagram, when you're on Facebook and you're liking and reacting to each other's posts or leaving a comment like, yeah, you go girl. Is that really human interaction? You're, you're really interacting with your computer or your phone, right? Like you're interacting with the platform. Um, So I would argue that a lot of our interaction online is not with other people. And Giles is correct here. Yeah, I mean, it opens up a really interesting conversation for sure. Uh, While they're having this conversation, Miss Carpenter opens uh, the Moloch book and notices that it's empty. And Giles' spider senses go off and he examines the book. And he that's when he notices that there's a demon's face on the cover. And he clues in that this must be the culprit. The demon virus is spreading and the school nurse is having a panic attack because she gave some student penicillin because it didn't say that he was allergic to it in his in his online profile. (laughs) Ridiculous. And Dave approaches Buffy outside and says, you know, I'm sorry for being rude. And also Willow wants to see you in the locker room. (laughs) So it's a weird message to pass on. Yeah. (laughs) And also, at this point, just stop going to the locker room. Everybody, just stop going to Sunnydale's <laughs> locker true. room. That's true. Nothing locker good. Room, yeah. Nothing good happens in the locker room. <laughs> Buffy goes to the locker room. She's looking for Willow. She's like, <laughs> this part made me laugh out loud because this whole scene made me laugh out loud because Fritz is in the sho- is in the locker room like a pervert, and he turns on the shower, and Buffy's like, "Are you in the shower?" <laughs> 
And she goes to investigate, obviously, and she misses the fact that there's electrical wires <laughs> running right. a, running down the walls into the floor, like a perfect electrocution setup scene. Well, and, and like if you had been told your friend is waiting or looking for you in the locker room and then you go in there and it's empty and the shower's on, would you walk in on your friend showering or would you like wait or call out and be like, hey, you know, let's catch up in the quad? She just walks into the shower area. Yeah, and even weirder, she like goes to turn off the water and says, "This is how droughts start." Like, <laughs> she doesn't even think like who turned it on. She's like, "Oh, weird," and turns it off. And that's when Dave gets cold feet and is like, "Buffy, look out!" I guess he was like, "I don't want to kill her after all." And <laughs> the electrocute the the wire hits the water. A big spark comes out, and Buffy gets thrown across the locker room. Uh, and it is, I, I laughed out loud. I'm not going to lie. It was really funny to me. And, um, Dave runs away and Buffy is alive and looks fine, but her shoes are sizzling. Like they're like, oh, they're frying up. And her hair is a little, uh, frazzled, which is something they discuss in the next scene. I also just want to say, I'm really digging Buffy's tank tops in this episode. Like she had a really cute black one with like a design on the front earlier. And then. This, like, blue one, ugh, I just, I'm a little bit envious, I gotta say. All right, well, let's, right after this, we'll go on Amazon and we'll find those tank tops for you. <laughs> I'm Thank sure they're you. out there. So Dave runs into the computer lounge and he, he's yelling at the computer. He's like, no, I'm not going to do this. And the computer's like, but you promised. And, uh, you know, he, he will show him a new world. Knowledge is power. All he wants is, is his love. Like, classic cult leader shit. So Dave refuses, and that's when, in my opinion, the craziest thing that's ever happened on the show so far, where the computer, Moloch, starts writing out Dave's suicide note, and as Dave starts backing up, we see that Fritz is standing behind him ominously. And this is so fucked up to me. It really is. It reminds me of the pack with, you know, eating Principal Flutie, like... For a network TV show to just casually toss in a kid being framed for committing suicide and then being murdered by another kid. Also, um, not to disparage any of our American listeners out there, but back in the 90s, there there were people who were like, oh, the Harry Potter books are going to teach our kids to use witchcraft and stuff. Like, for a TV show to depict... A demon in a computer um, convincing kids to murder each other. There were probably people who might write into the network about the show and being like, how dare you like show witchcraft on the television? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm shocked. Like, I'm literally just taking it in right now again. I'm like, you know what, though? It's a dark scene. This is really dark. And you're right. They just throw it in there willy nilly. They're just like, here it is. This gets rid of Dave real quick. I don't like Poor this. Dave. Poor Dave. Rest in peace, He doesn't Dave. deserve it. No, he doesn't. <sighs> so Buffy is in the library and telling Giles and Xander what happened with Dave. And uh, Giles says that souls of demons are sometimes trapped in volumes to be rendered harmless or unless pages are read out loud. So he knows, he's done his research, and he knows that this is Moloch the Corrupter, a deadly and seductive demon that preys on impressionable minds. And now he's released and they figure out pretty quickly that he's been scanned into the computer. <laughs> they don't waste much time in figuring that out. But now he's everywhere. The sky's the limit, apparently, if you're a demon in the computer. So the first thing they try to do is delete Willow's files uh, where she scanned the book from. And Buffy goes to the computer and drags Willow's files into the trash folder. And she's like, there, we did it. But then, boom, the demon... <laughs> Moloch shows up in like full pixel like on the screen and says you know stay away from Willow it's none of your business <laughs> this was too much for me so so now they're like oh damn like this that putting it in the trash folder did not help so what are we gonna do and Xander wonders like what is the biggest thing he can do in the computer right and they start saying stuff that that could happen he could launch codes for missiles he could uh, randomize traffic signals. He could destroy the world's economy. Like, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. 
And I want to point out here for anybody who is a Marvel Avengers fan, this is Ultron. <laughs> this is Age of Ultron. This is Ultron, the villain. And Joss Whedon is really exposing himself for plagiarizing right here. Plagiarizing that, himself? Plagiarizing him. Well, no, because he's plagiarizing Ultron, which is a comic book oh, villain. Oh, I see. Well, this was a legitimate concern as the world started to become more interconnected. And even nowadays, like one of the largest security concerns for developed nations like Canada and the US and stuff is for a bad actor to hack in and take down like the power grid. Mm -hmm. Because all of these things are connected to networked systems in some way. So if you find a vulnerability on the internet and you get into the right computer system, you can cause serious chaos. And it's interesting to see that being brought up as early as 1997. And that's why like so many companies now, uh, especially big banks and everything, like even I have a friend who is a cybersecurity IT guy. That industry is just booming and booming and booming, getting bigger and bigger, right? Because of, of this very threat. If you can get a really good hacker that mm -hmm. can get into all these systems, you need really good people that can block them out. Well, just yesterday I was reading an article about a security camera company, um, a surveillance camera company that got hacked into. And basically the hackers were able to use admin credentials from the camera company to access cameras from a bunch of their clients, including... Uh, companies like Cloudflare and Prisons. Um, mm. So even like these systems that are supposed to give you security and surveillance are themselves networked and therefore may not be secure. God, this is classic Moloch the Corrupter shit. <laughs> you know? Right? Did they not watch this episode of Buffy? <laughs> they also need to move his file to trash. <laughs> So uh, like, anyway, well, obviously, at the end of this episode, he escaped somehow and got into the real system. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what does he want with Willow? That's the question now, right? What does he want with our dear sweet Willow? So Buffy says she's going to go look for Willow in the computer lab. And uh, they're going to try calling her at home, uh, Giles and Xander. So in the computer lab, we know what's in there. So fucking sad. Uh, all the computers turn on when Buffy enters the room. But that's when she finds Dave. So he's hanging from the roof or from the ceiling and he's got a, his suicide note is attached to him. Oh my God. So just like another dead student body on campus. It's just so fucking sad. I can't even deal with how terrible, how And the number of student deaths in one school year, in one semester. So... Sad. Oh my God. So Buffy goes back to the library and she tells Xander and Giles that she found Dave hanging. Like, oh, oh, I'm getting chills. And um, it looks like a suicide, but they all know it's a murder. Buffy and Xander are going to go to Willow's house and find her. And Giles needs to find out how to get Moloch out of the goddamn computer. So Buffy suggests that, like, why don't you call Miss Calendar to come help you? Because she really knows about computers and she's super hot. And you guys have a little love-hate relationship going on here. So call her on over. Willow is entering her house and uh, her parents aren't home. We go into Willow's room and her computer's on. It's like, you've got mail. <laughs> Remember that? And um, the email says, no more waiting. I need to see you. And Willow ignores it. And that's when the doorbell rings. And so creepy. So creepy. And she goes to answer the door. No one is there. But as she turns around... That piece of shit Fritz comes up behind her and chloroforms her and says, no more waiting or whatever, and um, takes her away. Oh, my God. So scary. Giles is listening to the radio. And I think this is Joss Whedon's voice, actually. And um, apparently chaos is starting to spread across the world of computers. And when Miss Calendar comes over, he... Um, just says it. He's like, the easiest way for me to say it is just to say, there's a demon in the computer. And she says, I know. <gasps> oh, shit. Is she a bad guy? Like, that's what I thought watching this episode. Like, I, I know what happens, of course. But n even though I knew what was happening, like, just the way she delivers the line and then they immediately cut, you're like, oh, my God, is Giles in danger? Is, like, she the, like, 
did she manipulate all of this into happening? Yeah, is she like Moloch's Italian follower from the from the thirteenth century, like <laughs> the fourteenth century, fifteenth century, fifteenth century? My my God! <laughs> oh, I'd be such a good Moloch follower. <laughs> Just so stupid, so impressionable, just blindly following him. No, you're not stupid. You just can't count. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just really numbers literate. So Xander and Buffy show up at Willow's house. They're too late. She's gone. She's out of there. They figure that she might be at CRD. So they decide to head over there. Cut back to Giles. He is looking very suspiciously at Miss Calendar. And she says she's noticed something's been off for days. With the power surges and online shutdowns and all that jazz. And uh, she also says, you should see the bones I've been casting. So Giles really underestimated her. She knows something. Something is up. And she says she thinks it's a mischief demon. And she knows about Moloch the Corrupter when Giles mm -hmm. brings it up. And Giles like is just like, who are you? And she says the realm of the mystical isn't just in science and books. It's in the cyberspace. Uh, she's not a witch, but she does call herself a techno-pagan. Yeah, it's a cool name. Um, and this is kind of like the first time we're seeing an ally come into the gang who already knows the score, right? Like she knows there's magic. She knows there's good entities and bad entities out there. We are not sure yet if she's aware of the Slayer and vampires as a thing, but I would guess she must at least know about vampires because how do you get to be that knowledgeable about magic and stuff and not be aware of vampires in a place like Sunnydale? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> but it, it will be interesting in future episodes to see how Miss Calendar integrates into the group given her knowledge and kind of how she wields it in a very different way from Giles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like almost like an opposite approach. And Giles is putting together binding rituals for Moloch, and uh, she's going to help him. Inside the CRD, Willow is starting to wake up. And I've always wanted to know what the after effects of chloroform are, because I see it in so many movies and TV shows. So I looked it up, and apparently if you inhale chloroform, you uh, have shortness of breath and irritation of the nose and throat, but if you're if you seriously inhale it to the point where you're passing out, you wake up and you can experience nausea, vomiting, dizziness, drowsiness, and excitement because your heart's pounding. Apparently, yeah. There's no good way to knock somebody out. Like this is a conceit yeah. of television where it's like, okay, you can knock somebody out with one punch, and then they wake up without a concussion. You know, you can knock somebody out using chloroform. And they can wake up without any side effects. Like, this is very much, like, TV knockouts. Yeah, yeah. She just, like, wakes up and she's like, oh, shit. Like, she's right with it. So I just needed to know. Uh, she's in a room with a lot of machinery. And a scientist is there, as is Fritz. And we hear, uh, welcome, my love. I can't tell you how good it is to see you. And holy shit, Moloch is in real form. And he appears to be half demon half robot or something yeah they like recreated his old physical body but as a metallic robot body with like they like sculpted the horns and stuff <laughs> honestly it's good quality craftsmanship they should be proud of themselves it's yeah it's just i think it's just also so stupid it's like good for you guys but like oh my god <laughs> But once again, like I said, I didn't remember this episode. So when I saw that, I was like, what? <laughs> oh, it's incredibly laughable, especially now. Uh, Absolutely. I know. I want to like I, later, like when we do our summary of season one at the end of the season, we're going to rank the villain costumes. We're going to have to <laughs> like there's no other way okay. around it. But Moloch basically is saying like this world is so new and exciting and everything flows through him. And then he breaks Fritz's neck. <laughs> And I'm like, why? Why did you do that? He was so loyal to you. And also he was like, you know, a couple of days away from inventing Reddit. So like, Ooh, we zing. needed him. We needed him. So No, we didn't need him. Nobody <laughs> needs Reddit. Um, I mean, honestly, I think Moloch just do it, did it because he knew that you didn't like next stuff. Yeah, I think so too. He was like, oh, I heard that because I'm in the internet. So he went back in time <laughs> and uh, snapped his neck once again, like flawlessly. 
Just like a little, like, twist of his wrist and this guy's neck falls apart. So, just like every ending to a Buffy episode, lots of stuff happens in a small amount of time. There's a lot of jumping back and forth, so I'm just going to do this in chunks based on characters. Outside, Buffy and Xander are jumping the the fence and breaking into CRD. Moloch knows that they're coming because he can see through the security systems. Buffy punches out a, a guard and sees Willow on one of the security cameras inside the facility. And as they're making their way to her, they get locked inside a hallway and some sort of gas is being released. Xander starts to pass out while Buffy beats open a door. In the library, Miss Calendar is forming the Circle of Kalis, but she's doing this online with her other techno-witches, whatever they, she called herself, techno-pagans. Moloch is telling Willow that because she created him, she gave him life, he wants to repay her, he says he loves her, and that he can control the world. Willow says she wants to go, and he says, I love you, and you are mine. And Willow says, no, I'm not, not ever. Good for Willow. Fucking A. Like, this is how it's done. Like, stand up to those men who want to possess you, but you're not a thing, Willow. And it's it's just so good to see Willow having this amount of self-possession at her age. It is really good. It's also, though, I would say mistimed. Like, if if I was alone in this room with this one other scientist and Moloch, I would be like, yeah, totally. So he would keep me alive. That's fair, but Willow doesn't have that much guile, right? She's like, <laughs> she's an innocent little bunny. But because she says that, Moloch is about to snap her neck. And that's when Buffy and Xander break in. And Buffy goes to kick him. But because he's made of metal, because he's a robot. <laughs> so funny. He, she falls. Like, she she fails at that. <laughs> and there's, like, this really loud clanging sound. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, <laughs> Xander starts fighting with the other random scientist that's in the room. The computer that Miss Carpenter is using in the library, um, as they're doing the spell, it begins to spark and then it explodes. So the ritual worked and Moloch is now out of the internet. Yay! But Giles notices that the book is still blank and Moloch is not in it. So where is he? Buffy and Willow and Xander are now running away from the CRD security team. And Moloch, who is now just a robot, he's not, you know, tuned in with the internet. He's just in his body now. Um, He breaks through the wall (laughs) while they're running by and Buffy starts fighting him. And he he says very loudly what he's going to do. Like, I'm going to crush you (laughs) instead of actually doing it. So he tells her her plan, his plan. And as he's about to crush her, she moves over and he instead crushes a circuit box and electrocutes himself and explodes. Once again, quick thinking from Buffy saves the, saves the day. Very quick thinking and helped along by Moloch himself, who liked to narrate his thoughts. So the next day at school, uh, Giles goes to visit Miss Carpenter in the lab to bring her back a corkscrew earring that she dropped somehow. And uh, he admits that he's anxious around computers, And he loves the smell of musty, rich books because they help with his memory. And (laughs) because knowledge on the computer has no context or texture, it's there and then it's gone. So that's why he prefers books, because the knowledge is more tangible to him. I think he has a point here. I think there is something to be said for how the ephemeral nature of knowledge on our computer screens is rewiring the way our brains work. And he's right. Smell is one of the most potent triggers of memory. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm not sure he's right that the smell of old books is going to help you recall specific knowledge, but it's an interesting little scene. Well, and it brings him calm, I guess, while he's doing all the research. Being surrounded by the smell puts him in the mood to research about demons, like so be it, right? And mm. uh, while he's explaining this, like Miss Calendar, is it Carpenter? What did I say? Miss Calendar. I've been saying Carpenter this whole time. No, you've been saying Calendar. No, I've been saying Calendar. I have Carpenter written here. Awkward. <laughs> anyway, Miss um, Calendar is like, uh, she's very into this conversation. And she mentions that the corkscrew earring, she doesn't hang from her ear. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Where does she hang it? I'm confused. But that this is 100% flirting at this point. So. Okay. 
So, yeah, like, do I think earlier was there a romantic connection? No. But I think after their night together, uh, destroying a demon, they definitely have a connection now. An understanding of each other. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So, outside, Xander and Buffy are cheering Willow up like good friends. And uh, she's sad about Malcolm and how the only person who ever liked her was a demon robot Ultron ripoff. And uh, Buffy reminds her that, you know... She loved a vampire. And Xander's like, I almost got molested by a giant praying mantis. (laughs) That's just life on the hellmouth, baby. So they all laugh uh, because they're like, oh, we're doomed. We're never going to find happy relationships. Ha 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 ha. And then it just trails off with them looking really sad. (laughs) It's funny because it's true. Like, this is probably the most true statement in this show so far. And without spoiling anything... Nobody on Buffy is going to have a good time with relationships. Uh, okay, who is your hero this episode? Obviously, Miss Calendar. And I would also say Giles. I think I like the way they work together as a team. Hey, I, I wrote that exact same thing. I said the adults are the heroes this time around. <laughs> I also would just say out loud, like, Moloch, if you're out there, I'm ready to join the cult. I love you. Praise Moloch. <laughs> Praise I love you. Give me everything. I'll give everything to you. That's what I want. So I guess the question, Steph, is are you jacked in? I'm jacked in. Jacked in. Jacked in. Jacked in. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you've got some comments, message us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and Prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. We can't wait to hear from you. See you next week. Bye.